So the session um, this morning was, was going to be called uh, This Soil Also, uh, Eastern Canada, Our Mission Field. And basically we're going to have a panel discussion with uh, church leaders and ministry leaders about you know, the need for us as young people to get re- get, really get involved in mission work here in Eastern Canada. And so we're going to have a panel discussion, and then after we're going to give you the opportunity to, to ask questions. Okay? So, uh, but before we do that, let's uh, bow our heads and pray together. Dear Father in heaven, Lord, I want to thank you so much for allowing us to be here on your Sabbath day, and Lord, to be discussing your work that needs to be done here in Eastern Canada. Lord, as we have this, this discussion, may each one of us, our hearts burn for the people here in Eastern Canada who have not heard your message of salvation. And Lord, as our lead church leaders speak, we ask that you can also speak to our hearts about the need for us to be involved in this church. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So some of us probably have seen these gentlemen roaming around the halls in some of the sessions. And they're basically leaders from around Canada, around Eastern Canada, and some ministry leaders. And basically, we, we really, really want to thank them for taking the time to be with us, to be with us young people, to basically discuss, you know, what, what is really is the landscape of evangelism? You know, what is the current situation? And how can young people get involved? And what are, what are some of the specifics? Okay? So first, we'll introduce them. So on my immediate left is Elder Dragon, Daniel Dragon Stoyanovich. He's the uh, Vice President for Administration at the Canadian Union. Then to his left is Elder Yakov Biblovich. You can call him Jacob. Yeah. And he's, uh, he's the Evangelism Director for the Ontario Conference. And then we have Mr. Wayne Atwood, and he's the President of MIOV, the media ministry that's doing our audio visual here. And then we have Elder Ken Corkum who is the president of the Newfoundland Conference of St. Davis. So I want to really thank you for taking the time to be with us. So, you know, to uh, begin the discussion, I want to pose a question to our uh, panelists, and it comes from the General Conference Secretary's report a few years ago, where he has this statement. It says, The church is also greatly affected by slow or stagnant growth. The global north's membership is rapidly aging, and the need for infusing new blood has become critical. Now, for those of us who are, not, who are not aware, the Global North refers to basically the West, so Europe and America and Canada and Australia. So basically what he's saying here is that in the Global North, so our territory, the membership is rapidly getting older, and the need for infusing new blood has become critical. So any comments on that statement? I think we see <clears throat> through the eyes of the human eyes. Um, I'm not sure if older is to be considered negative. I'm not sure if Gideon would feel uncomfortable having just 300. I would say it is um, a struggle of faithfulness, a struggle of being willing to be used by God, that we're so involved with good things, uh, many good things, that we're being distracted from our primary purpose. No, some of us are on the older side. I like to say antique, right? And really, uh, uh, older folks have the, have the richness of experience and faithfulness. 
I think we, we really need to sit back and say we're living in struggling times. We need faithfulness. And whether it's a um, hundred or a million, with God does make any difference. I've noticed that um, it's easy to have generation gaps and we somehow feel comfortable often, you know, in our, with our own age group. And I think that it's very important for us to be able to um, nurture and really have a passion for young people. I think young people need to be very involved. They have a lot to offer and somehow as we move on um, in our lives, we, we see that there are golden opportunities when we're young, and we've, we've got to take advantage of those. And I think that the more involved we are, the more committed, the more passionate we are, then um, the more vibrant our church is. And, and there's energy in young people that, you know, we never find again as we, as we get older, you know. And so I think that we really have a golden opportunity. But we do have to work together, you know, the experience of those that are older along with those that are younger. We have to find ways that we can work more together, I think, so that uh, we can really benefit from the energy of our young people. That's right. Again, that's actually why we have you here to discuss with us, right, the older and the younger together. Other As I go around uh, Ontario, and uh, <coughs> especially Northern Ontario, yes, this is, this is right. Uh, we see mainly uh, churches with elderly. And, uh, but also we, we did recently uh, a survey in our churches. More than 50 churches in Ontario did survey, a church health survey, and it shows that the average uh, age of our church members is between 50 and 60, which is still not bad. But we see shortage in young. I don't know why. Shortage, not children, but between uh, 15 and 20. There's a shortage in that, in that, in that area. Uh, from the Canadian Union perspective, I can say that um, we have a growth. The reality is that on January 22 of this year, we were exactly according to eAdventist.net, 66,666 members. So right now, you're, we are a little <laughs> bit more. <laughs> so probably not far of uh, 67,000 members. And we can uh, be uh, thankful to God for the growth of the last 10 years. It was... Uh, a little bit more than 21,000 members baptized. I, I talk only about baptism. And uh, as I know how much investment you need to put in order to have one baptism, you understand that God is good, giving us the, the victory for 21,000, more than 21,000 souls. I would say there are two things. Yes, uh, we needed the growth, as the elder said, of the general conference. Uh, at the same time, we need somehow to find a way to close the back door. Mm -hmm. So we have, uh, uh, we have a potential of growth, and this is what we are doing. So basically, in Canada, we have... Um, better grow than in, in the United States for years already. Uh, I'm talking about proportions, you know, we are smaller, but we have about 
0.1% of growth every year, and they are around 1.6% of growth. But this is from statistical point of view. I'm not uh, willing to hide the reality because <coughs> I'm so glad with statistics. This is one thing. But however, this is another aspect. If we are losing for the last 10 years, we lost uh, more than 6,500 6, members, which means that one-third of our members, newly baptized, I don't know exactly who, but if you, if you see only two-third two will stay and one-third will disappear. If we can continue our growth uh, to preach the gospel, to do baptism at the same time, to close the door, to keep those who accept uh, to become Seventh-day Adventists, it would be wonderful. Okay, well, let's let's discuss then uh, the different situation in each of the conferences. So let's begin with Ontario Conference. So Elder Bibovich, uh, last night I actually went on the Ontario Conference website, and our conference has 164 churches, companies, and groups. Um, so I think that's the most in all of Canada. So are we satisfied? Um, no. <laughs> No, uh, it is very good. We are growing our church, but uh, there is something I have to I have to say, and uh, that I did research starting 2010 till 2014, first quarter and second quarter. When it comes to baptisms, church growth. We are growing, uh, but not by baptisms. With baptisms, we are growing because of transfer, like transfers, and uh, we see trend first and second quarter now, and significantly down from what we had uh, before, and uh, we are calling for a special meeting now in September, church growth committee meeting, emergency meeting, to address the thing, why something happened in 2013, and, and 2013 and the beginning of 2014, and we are significantly low in baptism. And this now, we hope this, this trend will reverse in third and fourth quarter, but I'm not so sure if this is, the, if this is going to be the case. So yes, we are alarmed now, and we are sounding alarm. Mm. And how about the Quebec Conference? So uh, Mr. Atwood and also Elder Jogan was the former president of the Quebec Conference a few years ago. So how's the, uh, how's, our, how's our church doing in Quebec? Well, you know, I think traditionally work among uh, French-speaking people has been slow worldwide, really. Um, and of course, Quebec represents not only French-speaking, but also English-speaking population as well, especially in Montreal. Um, and although I, I may not be as up to statistics as our brother <laughs> Stoyanovich may be, I really feel like there is something that's fundamentally important in order to see growth. And I think that that is um, being on fire for God. And I, one thing that is very refreshing in Quebec, actually, is that um, because I think it's challenging for people to choose to follow God and to choose to join the church, people that do make that decision are often very engaged, and they're very committed. And so that's very refreshing to see. I think part of the reason might be because it requires a sacrifice to do that. And so, and so once they do make that decision, they're often very firm. But I think that um, it, it's just so excessively important for us to be able to help people to nurture that personal relationship with God 
And I think that uh, for young people, that's even more important to, to give them something that's meaningful, giving them, you know, meat from the word of God. I think this is what grounds us. This is what helps us to stay faithful. And, um, and so I definitely think that, yeah, the challenges are great. And I certainly personally have a big burden for work among, among French-speaking people. Um, you know, trying to figure out what's the interest of the general pop population. There are definitely things to discuss there as well. But, uh, yeah, the work is slow, and I'd be interested in, in knowing some statistics as well. Um, I know just off the top of my head that, you know, there's uh, around 7,000 um, Adventists in the province of, of Quebec. And um, unfortunately, we're not doing very well reaching um, the, the population of Quebec because of the blessing of having a lot of Adventists that are from um, other uh, origins, then it's, it's difficult sometimes for us to reach the population, which is a challenge. But we're, we're delighted to have the multicultural group. That's wonderful. But it does create challenges just in and of itself as well. You know. um, I would say I agree with uh, Wayne. We have around 7,000 members, a little bit more. The Quebec is the first conference in Canada regarding the growth. So for the last five years, they had 26% uh, of growth. And uh, the second conference is uh, British Columbia together with Alberta there with 11%. So you, you can see that this is, there is a huge difference. However, as uh, Wayne said, uh, this is more the growth of Montreal. Mm -hmm. Those who know the Quebec Conference, mm -hmm. they know what I'm talking about. And uh, to reach Quebecois, this is another challenge. Mm -hmm. They're uh, probably the group of people uh, representing the biggest challenge for the North American division yeah. because we have around uh, 500 representative from this uh, large group of French-speaking people within North American division, and we are praying we need to do exactly as Wayne said, uh, to orient ourselves toward reaching Quebecois. Because there are about 6 million in the province yeah. out of a population of Just what, a over 8 million yeah. population. Yeah. So Just hold it on. Yeah. Does everyone know what, what they mean by Quebecois? <laughs> Okay, maybe explain what Quebecois is. Because <laughs> they might be thinking it's Quebecers. But it's not. <laughs> Quebecois is the right pronunciation of Quebecers. <laughs> so this is how, how uh, people from Quebec um, call themselves. So when you say Quebecois, which means someone who was born, who has... Uh, the cultural background, uh, who is uh, not only, uh, how to say, uh, French-speaking, because you have Quebecois, English-speaking Quebecois, but uh, the culture is uh, very specific. And uh, um, unfortunately, we didn't spend enough of time to study how to reach them. We are just uh, using what is easy to do. We want uh, fast results and uh, so you do let's say two weeks of uh, big uh, evangelistic uh, series and then you want uh, in three months uh, 10 baptism 20 baptism 
at the end you have people from Ghana, from, uh, I don't know, from everywhere, but you don't have Quebecois. This is what I saw uh, during my four years in Quebec, and I would say this is a challenge, and we need to put as the f one of the first goals for Quebec to reach Quebecois. Now, out the Corcum, so how is the church doing it on Newfoundland, all the way there out in the Atlantic? You got the short version of the long version. <laughs> <laughs> uh, concise version. Well, young people like to know as it is. Uh, I see myself uh, having the privilege of being the president of um, uh, Newfoundland, which includes <coughs> the Labrador, Newfoundland, and the islands, French islands, uh, European French islands, uh, Miquelons and uh, St. Pierre. 6,000 people there. I'm very optimistic because I know I serve a God who's in control. Uh, but some of you come from churches the same size of our membership, 650 members. And so we are a small church. We only have seven churches, four companies, six pastors, three of us that operate the uh, total office, and we have four people working in our radio station, VOAR. I'm very encouraged because I see some things changing and building. Um, one of the things that we inherited presently is we had a full parochial school system, and that's the way Newfoundland operated. The, the public government funded uh, private schools. And why I say that is, even though we lost our school system about 10 years ago, and it all was publicized, uh, we have over 10,000 people in Stats Canada say they're Seventh-day Adventists. We haven't found them, they're out there, we bump into them once in a while. There's a good attitude in many parts of our province that is very open to Adventists. I'm amazed, uh, I've worked in Ontario, Maritimes, and now Newfoundland, that they include us in public issues. I've just recently, uh, I was asked to go to Parliament uh, to be part there for the inauguration of our, uh, one of our executive uh, public figures. I just was invited as a spiritual leader to be part of recognizing the beginning of the First World War um, and the people that gave their lives and they had me right at the beginning part of the liturgy. Uh, they welcome us as Adventists into their midst and I think that's very very positive. Uh, we've had some struggles and our spiritual struggles and growth is part of the attitude of all of us. Uh, I see when I go to CUC and we say, I'll go any place in the world as long as it's Ontario, Alberta, and BC, and maybe <laughs> Quebec. And people aren't lining up. Uh, the previous president told me the average length of stay for pastoral workers in Newfoundland is one and a half years. And I said, uh, that has to change. Uh, you cannot have growth uh, when you have that kind of uh, staying power. So I want pastors who want to be there, and I'm very happy to say that our, our pastoral team, I'm just really pleased with our pastors. They want to be there, they want to be engaged, they want to be, and as an administrator, I want to give them every advantage like any conference across Canada, which we can because we're small enough to be able to do that. We can invest into our pastors. Um, the interesting thing is, uh, growth relates a little bit, not a little bit, growth does relate to your faithfulness. Uh, and maybe in your churches too, you do not grow a church by accepting every lifestyle, every decision. So the interesting thing is, our membership is going down because we're addressing membership and our tithe is going up. 
And that tells me that we're, I want engage your members. I want invite them to be faithful, encourage them to be faithful. If, however, if they choose to go the other way, our churches are leavened by people living non-Christian lives. And so let's have accountability. Be merciful, be generous, be long-suffering. But if people don't want to be Seventh-day Adventists, then don't keep them on our books. So we're, we're encouraged by not only nurturing type things, but also outreach. We've endeavored to establish two new outreaches, and some of you went to Grand Falls. Is anyone here that went to Grand Falls? Yeah. We have one outreach uh, ministry in a place called Grand Falls, which is a center, and we endeavored to establish a new church there. We're now in a new church plant, a place called Gander. That was historically established in 9-11 as one of the main centers where European flights landed in Newfoundland. And we have, uh, we're working with uh, ECYC. Some of you probably saw our advertisement for this year. We have a fine pastoral couple there, just beautiful in ministry. We're hoping to do some more for next year. Uh, maybe there are some ways that we encourage some of you to come. We want to establish a new, a new church in that area. So we feel very optimistic. Even though we're small, we feel, we feel, Lord, you always have taken us small and done some special things. Why not start with Newfoundland? That's how we feel. And we'll be talking more about our mission to Gander after this session. Now, on the topic of missions, you know, when a lot of young people, when they think about mission, they think, you know, Africa, South America, and so forth. So my question to you is, um, is Canada a mission field? Yes. Mm -hmm. yep. Any thoughts? You ask me if Ontario's mission field, I would say yes. I'm going to share maybe later more about uh, mission opportunities in Ontario. And even within, uh, for example, in Ontario Conference, we have 32,000 members. And, and then just Toronto has over 20,000. Uh, but in Toronto alone, we have a mission field downtown. We are not reaching Toronto, Toronto people. So uh, I'm calling for task force now for to, to do something as you are trying to reach uh, in Quebec, Quebecois, we are trying now to reach uh, Canadians in Toronto. You're not reaching them. And, and I'm, I'm very grateful that uh, uh, Western Toronto Korean Church is really doing something. And they open now for the first time in Toronto. We have a, a life center, a center of influence that will reach not just Korean, but also some of these post-Christian, uh, post-Christian <coughs> uh, post uh, Toronto downtown people. Anyone else is Canada a mission field? Yeah, Canada is definitely a mission field. There's no question about it. And I think that um, a lot of times we're excited by going to foreign mission fields because of, you know, certain um, aspects that are maybe exciting. And I think that that's good. It's a good way to get fired up. It's a good way to say, wow, there's things happening. But I think we need to really focus the majority of our energy here in Canada because you know this is this is our backyard this is where we are and um, I think that there is really a lot of work and one thing that I've really struggled with um, in ministry since we started in 2009 and we you know our goal is really to to reach out to French-speaking people and we do have a special passion um, for um, les Québécois, for Québécois, because uh, simply because we saw that it was such a need, you know, and so we have a special passion for that. But we have had to sometimes grapple with the fact that, yeah, the results might not be as great here as they might be in a developing country, 
but we need to be faithful to our mission anyway, and we need to be active, and every single person needs to be doing something to reach out. And so I think that we shouldn't fix our eyes so much on, okay, how many people did we win, or, or, or how, how much is our church growing, although that's important. I don't mean that, that we shouldn't look at that, but I mean we should simply look in our own hearts and say, what are we doing? Am I active? Am I doing something to reach out? And I think if we can inspire every single church member um, in Canada to be active, to work in his own backyard, I mean, we'll see results. You know, spirit-powered, you know, just heartfelt. I mean, yeah, it's, it's going to make a difference. You know, I just want to maybe play devil's advocate. I think that a lot of young people, they think, like, if you ask any Canadian, do you know about Jesus? Do you know about, you know, the Bible? They'll say yes. But there are a lot of places in the world where they don't know. So maybe that's the reason why they don't see you know, CAD as a mission field. So why specifically like the Adventist message? There are people, a lot, people here in CAD already know about Jesus. The Bible, they already know about the Bible. They see in churches everywhere. So why are we as Adventists so engaged in mission when Canadians already know about Jesus anyways? Well, that's, that's where the three angels' messages come in because Jesus has given a message for an end-time people, known as the third Elijah, to prepare a world for his coming and also for what is coming on, on this world. And so when you take a look at the focus of hope and wholeness of the Seventh-day Adventist Church, in the first angel's message is a call of the world, uh, even of Christian community and of Seventh-day Adventists, to worship God on the Sabbath, on the Ten Commandments. And so it's a call back to worship him and a call back to honor his commandments. It's a call back to what's happen happening in heavenly places. So if you think about Jesus' message when he was here, only those that listened to him when he taught and warned them about the Roman armies surrounding Jerusalem, that they were then to flee. And we're told that not one Christian died when they followed his instructions. Uh, just think about all the people that are embracing the Christian world, that are embracing secret rapture. Are they going to be surprised, uh, those that are faithful in that group now, when they are confronted with, um, with a, a, a focus on either you toe the line in this area or... Uh, there are going to be consequences, and they become convicted about the truth. It's going to be a lot of growth required on them very, very quickly. So we have a message of hope and wholeness for this world, and it's unique to Seventh-day Adventists because it's a hope in the second coming, end times, based upon the three angels' messages. Mm -hmm. So our message is different from the rest of Christianity. Yes, it is. Yeah. I believe that we're very close to the end of time, and we know that our message is is a very critical message for the end time and and really there there's only it's going to be um, things are going to be arranged in such a way that there's going to be two groups right and so I think that there's lots and lots and lots of sincere people that have heard about Jesus know the name of Jesus maybe even have a relationship with Jesus but there's more information that they need in order to make the right choice, especially as it comes down to critical times. And so I think that, that we definitely need to reach out. I'd just like to share um, in Revelation 14:12, where it says, Here is the patience of the saints. Here are those who keep the commandments of God and have the faith of Jesus. And our church has been called to um, understand the commandments in a way that no other church does. And it's a very critical message for the end of time. And so we don't need to be have holier-than-thou attitudes. We don't need to look down upon other, other um, churches or religions. But we do have a very specific message. 
And I think that people, if we realize how special our message is, and we can present it in that way, you know, not being proud, but being just delighted for, for what God has revealed to us, I think that, yeah, we definitely have a very, very important message for the whole world, and, and Christians included, for sure. Um, I think that's a very important question that you ask, and I believe that we need to go to back to our churches and to revisit what's our mission and purpose. And I think we have two-layered mission. One is a Christian mission. Every single one who, who knows about Christ is called to, to get and to uh, reach somebody else for Christ. And I know the other Christians are doing that too. But we have a, a second layer in, the, in our mission is Jesus is coming soon. Get prepared. Get ready. We have also uh, the, 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 the judgment, the judgment uh, uh, message and the three, three, three angels message as well is there. Uh, and that invitation to those Christians who are, yes, reaching others for Christ, but not getting them ready for, for Jesus' second coming. And the truth is also on our side. But sometimes when we go, I think we need to change our language that we, that we use. Okay, and, and, and I think I'm not using any more postmodern because I believe we passed that stage. We are, we are now also engaging Christians and post-Christians. Uh, people are not going anymore to find answers to hard questions to Christianity. They're going there, they're spiritual, but they, they find their spirituality individually. They go and, and, and they, they, they find on, online many, many different things. So I believe we need to be logical, we need, to, we need to revisit the way how we introduce Christ, how we introduce truth. We have really to, to use language. Let's go back to Bible. Let's go back to basic. Uh, medical uh, evangelists are very important now because people are self-centered. They want to, to live healthy lives. So we can use that to engage them in discussion and then get them to Jesus, to met Jesus really the way how we know Jesus. Because they know Jesus, but this is not the same Jesus I'm telling you. So I believe we need, to do, we need to do more when it comes to defining the way how we're going to explain and express our, our message. You know, the, um, did you have something to say? Or you're going to give me an opportunity to talk about Newfoundland. <laughs> <laughs> Newfoundland, a mission field. <laughs> when you're ready. Well, I was going to say, um, you know, so, you know, we hear often, you know, we have to get involved with to evangelism and so forth. So, but I think sometimes, you know, young people might get lost. Like, what am I supposed to do? You know, so as church leaders, can you maybe just share, you know, specifically for young people, how can young people engage in the work of evangelism in Canada? Uh, I can just uh, make a suggestion. I fully agree that we need to change the vocabulary because people around us, they have a totally wrong concept of God. And uh, we don't need uh, to make advertising for who we are. We just need to present them God and uh, his solution for this world. Um, at the same time, what can we do? I would suggest two things. Um, it's very easy to, s to see the mistakes. It's very easy. But I would suggest to you, don't underline mistakes, even of those who are working in your church and you see it, it is so obvious. Just first start to work. 
I'm not telling the, if someone is doing the mistakes that, that you will just uh, close your mouth. This is not what, what I'm telling. But you will lose precious time by working against uh, mistakes and errors. God needs your time in order to promote truth and the solution in Jesus Christ. And then you will see when you learn experience of promoting the truth, then you will learn also how to address mistakes because mistakes need to be addressed. We cannot just say everything is okay. This is not the, the purpose. But if you are looking to find your place within your local church, within the church in, in your conference in Canada, just work hard for himself. And if your pastor or your elder, they are not uh, sensitive enough, you have so many opportunity still to be very close to this uh, goal of working, to give everything, working every day for Jesus Christ. And I would say the conference will help you, the, the union will help you, uh, ministries as ECYC and uh, other uh, ministries will help you. You can find your place because God has something for you to do every day for his king kingdom. When I ask my <clears throat> new pastors go to their churches, I tell them there are three things that they need to do, especially for the first year. They have to win the pulpit by biblical preaching. They have to win the pew by visitation, and they have to win the trust of the people by running their program and contributing. And I would say it is a similar principle for young people. You cannot assume, because you're young people, you come in and you have a right to have a significant influence. You have to win the right to have influence. And <coughs> I would say, as young people, the church is all just delighted uh, for the participation of young people. But I have found that young people often want, want to be able to have significant influence before they have earned the right of significant influence. And you win influence by being present, and that doesn't mean walking in at five after 11. The people that really enjoy church love Sabbath school. And I have found, I had three CUC students at my home I think they get up around 11 o'clock in the morning while they've been there over the last eight weeks uh, running VBSs and that. Be willing to be in Sabbath school. Your presence is Sabbath school and carry your Bibles or your iPads. And be present and participate. Win, win your right. You don't, you don't deserve a right like I don't deserve a right. You gain influence by being present, being spiritual and supportive be willing to participate, not in just the glory things. I mean, it's wonderful to have children, right? If you have children, you've got to change diapers. Okay. And if you want to be there, be willing to participate in how the, the church asks. And when you receive their trust, there's no limit, no limit to the opportunity that you will have to minister. Young people are very much needed. You will be welcomed, but you have to earn influence. Uh, that... I really, really appreciate that. That is so, so important. And I would like to just share one thing briefly. I think that um, as young people, we have to find what our passion is. What we're passionate about, 
we need to be willing to stretch the comfort level, you know, but we also need to find where our place is. That's very important because if you're in a place where you're completely uncomfortable and you're not really cut out for it, it you'll get discouraged in ministry. So you, you, there's all kinds of different varieties of things that you can do. Of course, our ministry specializes in media ministry, so, you know, we draw people that are passionate about media ministry. Um, but there's a lot of different things to do, but find what fits you because that's where you'll be most effective and that's where you'll stick with it the longest as well. So it's very important. Uh, thank you very much for mentioning Sabbath School because I believe this is something that is very important. Our research that we did, our study in Ontario Conference, is saying not only Ontario Conference but also uh, nationwide in Canada, Canada-wide, we compare that is that we are low in small groups. So we worship together, and we, we like to go and do evangelism together, but we don't trust each other. And I can prove that. You can see me later. I can prove. I can show you uh, data to prove that we don't trust each other. So that's why we feel uncomfortable to sit in a small group and, and to discuss because we are debating. We are not discussing. So we need to change our character. Our attitude is wrong. So secondly, young people. I know you are frustrating when you come to your pastor and you want to do evangelism because you wait on your church to do evangelism. That's wrong. You need to do personal evangelism. You need to do where you are. You need to find your own home church. If you don't have your home church, I'm sorry, something is wrong. You have to find your own home church. You have to run the office there. You have passion, you have energy, and you have everything. You have big dreams. Your church lacks vision because you are not serving in your church. Don't expect 78-year-old to bring a big picture or, or big dreams. No. The big visions come from you. So you have to be there. You have to earn their trust. How are you going to earn their trust? First, you have to read your Bible. Amen. Read your Bible. Sometimes we study our Bible. Read your Bible. Just open your Bible and read. Allow Holy Spirit to speak to you. Sometimes you open Bibles with our own theories. And we want to, to, to find it. No, read your Bible. Then study your Bible. Third, outreach. Outreach and, in, and then intercessory prayer. Intercessory. That will bring revival, I believe. And let me finish. I, I believe personal evangelism. Get engaged where you are. Try to find people. Mingle with people. You know Christ's method? I believe in that. Mingle with people where they are. Don't expect you to ask your church to do it. You do it, and you bring testimonies to church, and you'll see revival will come. Amen. Amen. Uh, can I do a footnote? Um, last night I heard an excellent presentation on the Omega. There would be one component that I'm identifying, and maybe you have as well, uh, that really concerns me. And that is, I find that many of us as Seventh-day Adventists, we're being, we're being guided by our conscience and not the Bible. Uh, we have, it's a dangerous area to be guided by your, your conscience that's not trained by the Bible. Mm -hmm. Because there are many things, conscience is, is guided by knowledge that you've embraced. And why, what I'm saying is that if you can have a loyalty to the Bible and be guided by the Bible, I find... I'm not sure if it's rebellion or new identity, but many of our young people are, uh, permit, are permitting themselves to go down a road that was, it's very difficult to us who grew up as Adventists. Uh, in their appearance, uh, in their social life, uh, 
in the places they go and do, uh, our generation, it was just not accepted. If you can make a decision, I'm going to be guided by the Bible that's, and my conscience that's trained by the Bible. My, the Bible is superior to my conscience. And if you want a mission field in the church that will really electrify the church is start together working for backslidden members that are no longer attending church. And as you as young people go out and visit these people, you will have an influence better than, than uh, uh, adult members because young people come into your home and you want me to come back to church. You're giving your testimony. You love the Lord. And you start bringing back, I would say, a third anyway of my membership is slipping away or have already gone away. And if you focused on that mission field as one of your outreaches and you start bringing people back to church, you will find a gratitude in the congregation. You will find a, a gratitude in those you bring back, plus a, re, a new joy in your life. So make the Bible, make the Bible your standard. I'm finding more and more people that are permitting their conscience. And so they say, my conscience doesn't bother me doing this. My conscience doesn't bother me doing this. And so they're bracing it rather than saying, the Bible gives me authorization to this, or the Bible supports me doing this. And so make the Bible. God wants the people that make the Bible supreme in their life. Um, when uh, God, final comment, then we'll do questions. Yeah. When God called the prophet Jeremiah, the prophet Jeremiah was considered as young. We don't know exactly the chronology, but we can say that at that time he was probably 18 years old. And he said, I am a child. And God said to him, I will put, don't worry, I will put my words in your mouth. This is the call of the prophet Jeremiah. How, I'm just joining, joining the idea that came before, how would you like that God put his words in your mouth if you don't read the Bible? It's not possible. So how would you like that the Holy Spirit reminds you things because this is what we know of the ministry of the Holy Spirit. If you don't spend time uh, with God, in a relationship with God, I like the reading, in relationship with God, studying what God wants you to do. And then don't worry, everything will be okay. So now we have time for questions. So just, do we have a wanding? Actually, we have a mic in the middle. Yes. Okay, I just, so just come up, if, you're, if maybe form a line, then ask, keep your questions simple, make sure it is a question, it's not a statement, and no stories, just a very simple, concise question, and our panelists will also answer in a very simple, concise way. Okay. Um, do you think that as a... I would suggest that you turn because of the camera, just come okay. here, just come here. <laughs> Okay. Uh, my question is, do you think that as an, a strategy for evangelism that the Eastern Canada conferences would embrace something like um, the simple church method, which if anyone doesn't know, it's uh, like a home church. It starts with two Adventist, like two Adventist couples, solid couples meeting in their home and they invite friends. Because I know a lot of people who would never go into a church, but who would go to there. Do you think that the conferences would embrace that? Uh, absolutely. I have two churches right now, beautiful little structures. Uh, one has five members attending and another has three. 
And I know if I were in the community and I came to those churches, the first thing would be, wow. And I'm encouraging both those churches, close down the building and move to your homes. Because people in the community, if they come into a, your living room, it'll have a feeling of a group and you have a better chance to sustain this church. Otherwise, these churches are going to die. Yes, uh, I was introduced with, with that concept. And, uh, and for Northern Ontario, definitely that solution for many communities that we have there. But also there is a concern about DNA of these groups. That's why uh, in, in Toronto we see some cities around, we have members who would like to form a home church, but because of unhealthy reasons. Yeah split. So we have to be very cautious and, and that's why I like the idea that the General Conference has a coordinator who is coordinating all these uh, small churches. So we are really studying in the Conference to implement that. The, the future of our churches in this direction because we live in a post-modern, post-Christian, uh, whatever you want, post-time uh, 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 and the best way in order to connect with people is to connect them first with a family or several families. And then when they know the members of these families, then it is much easier for them to connect for the, to the larger group of believers. Of course, this is the, the best way. I would say that the first three centuries of the Christian uh, history were more, as you described, the church than what we know. The, the, what we know, the buildings, this is something, uh, a mass uh, production, but not necessarily Jesus' gospel production. When you have, uh, let's say, 4,000 people uh, worshiping at Andrews University, it is fine, this is beautiful. How for 4,000 people to be really involved individually, personally, is another story. So this is why I am more in favor of developing strong uh, groups, home groups, and then with these uh, groups. I, I just, to conclude, in, um, in Montreal we had, I'm sorry if I say something wrong, we had uh, three dying Spanish churches. Then Pastor Bermudez, if you know him, Gardner Bermudez came, put together all these churches and uh, I remember when I visited this, these churches to do assessment, evaluation, they had 17 groups working hard. So I saw the difference, huge difference, because they, uh, they had this right vision of growth. Okay. Daniel has a question. Uh, yeah, thank you so much for being here with us. I really appreciate the conversation. Um, I was wondering what the vision is for medical evangelism. So I know in the United States and at the GC level, there's a, a lot going around about medical evangelism. So what is the vision for, the, um, um, for medical evangelism in uh, Eastern Canada? Thank you. I think that's, that's necessary, it's essentially necessary. So we need to do something more about it in Ontario. Definitely, and especially now when we consider how to reach downtown people in Toronto, which is close to three millions, and we are not reaching them, we need medical missionaries. So, period. Hmm. I think we've all heard of the blue zones. 
and <clears throat> that which National Geographic pointed out as Adventists being one of the three groups in the world um, identified with longevity. We have an opportunity. In fact, I know discussion has been on the North American division. Uh, what picture do we want out there in the media of Adventists? And you heard me use the words uh, um, health and wholeness. Um, this is a phrase that we want to start promoting. Uh, wholeness and hope, hope and wholeness for our church. And the way the world in North America is going is they're opening the door for our message of hope and wholeness, wholeness being the medical side, to be our identity. And I think there's a move in our church to move that direction. Um, in, in Newfoundland, we have seen, if we have, we brought in Dr. Tim Risenberger, uh, wherever he goes, I mean, you get top medical people coming out that are interested in health. It's an opportunity for us. I believe that we need to reach people um, where their felt needs are, and definitely people are interested in health. And so health is the entering wedge, and we definitely need to use it um, in, in a variety of creative ways. And I think that we need to explore other felt needs as well, because that's where we can have a first contact with people is when they do have a felt need in their lives. And so health is very, very important, and it's very biblically based, very spirit of prophecy based as well. I mean, we have a very clear message, and, 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 we, and it's a golden opportunity where people are open in that area that they won't be open in maybe direct spiritual areas right away. From my perspective, I thank you for this question because uh, we forget that very soon the time will come that other methods will not work, mm -hmm. and this method will work very well. Mm -hmm. uh, just uh, I want to add uh, to what I've heard from my friends that I need to tell you, please live healthy. Okay. Right now, I see as a difference as a difference existing from the perspective of those who are looking at the Seventh-day Adventist Church and they say wonderful things, we live seven years, eight years, nine years more than others. And then when you live with Seventh-day Adventist, you see that your vegetarian lifestyle is uh, probably not the best uh, welcome. Um, so from my perspective, I'm a vegetarian and uh, mainly at home vegan, I try, and it is very crazy to do it when you are traveling all the time. But I said I'm vegetarian, and I'm vegetarian since 17, so long time ago. And I don't consider that it is something important to debate, to discuss, to say that I am better than others. But I can say that with my crazy schedule, I would not be able to do half of what I do right now because I feel the blessings of a normal, simple um, diet and whatever you want. And when I come home with my wife, I enjoy simplicity and taste and everything. So somehow we need to come back to essentials, who we are to be proud of our health message. It will give more validity to all studies that we have from outside, and uh, then you will see the results. When, when people, when people um, talk to you, you, you respond differently if you are in good shape. <laughs> you know. Yeah, if I could add. 
they take comment. away. I grew up as a butcher's son. So it's fish meat, <laughs> fish, meat, and potatoes, and every variety of meat. I sense among young people, and I hope there's none here, that it's a status to rebel and to go out and get your steaks, hamburgers, whatever. And I look at it, come on. Um, don't yield to that. It, it's, a, it's a rebelling against the spirit of prophecy. Her counsel, you read there, and the reasons why we should consider the lifestyle that Dr. Uh, Stjanovic mentioned, Daniel. Um, and I scratch my head, why do you want to get that hamburger? Do you know what's in that hamburger, right? So I really encourage you, you are young people that, that uh, seek the Lord, read the counsel, read why we should take a look at this, um, and don't, don't be part of rebellion. Can I, just, can I just say another, another thing, sorry. <laughs> Please, if you promote through your life the health message, don't look at others from high. The health message will help you to live in humility. This is the part of humility is the part of the health message. And uh, don't use what you know as opportunity to just do polemics. Those who like polemic, give them the opportunity to do whatever they want to do. Just do the ministry that God assigned you to do. And I just want to read you the quotation that Elder Dragon was talking, talking about. He's, and it's, it's LMI says, I wish to tell you that soon there will be no work done in ministerial lines but medical missionary work. And I think that emphasizes the importance of medical missionary work. Angie, I think Angie had a question. I think Mayfield now we have just two people answering. Okay, okay. So we the Angie then and okay, yeah, we'll go there. Yeah. Maybe we have just like two people answer each time. Yeah, just to make things go faster. Uh, my question is about unentered areas. I know that there's geographical areas that are identified by unions or conferences. I don't know exactly how it works, but there's specific localities that are considered unentered by the Adventist message, or at least uh, there's only a few Adventists there, and it's considered unentered. So I want to know where are these areas in Eastern Canada, and what can what's the strategy to reach um, a place that is unentered by the Adventist message? Uh, let me speak first of Newfoundland. Uh, we had some three slides. I think they have it in a PowerPoint. Uh, but if you can visualize Newfoundland, furthest east province in Canada, uh, we have the whole area. That's Newfoundland itself. And you can see we have uh, seven churches, four companies across, and we're spread in the island. And we have influences there. Go to the next slide. Uh, this is Labrador, which is to the north, uh, uh, northwest. Over 30,000 people living there. We do not have one Seventh day Adventist. We have our radio program, VOAR, in two locations in that, in that part of, of Newfoundland. That is a significant mission field we need to reach. The next slide will show you St. Pierre Miquelon, that's off the south um, western part of Newfoundland, down the bottom left. Those are French islands, they belong to France. Uh, we've already been in dialogue a little bit with uh, the Quebec Conference. We see this as a real potential for you young people from Quebec to come over and help us. We do not have one Seventh day Adventist, 6,000 people living on uh, these two islands. They're fully French, and we need some help in this ministry. In Ontario, yes, we do have a large pockets without uh, Adventist presence. 
and especially even in, in center of Ontario as well. And we have most of our churches are located in Toronto and in the area and in large cities. But we have large towns without Adventist presence, and especially in northern Ontario, uh, northern west Ontario, and on the east Ontario, we do have some groups, but we need to do something. Manitoulin Island is something that we are working together with GYC and ECYC, and we would like to really establish our presence there. And uh, Northern Ontario, I'm going to share maybe later something about that. We are creating mission trips opportunities to to engage communities so we can establish our presence as well. Yes, we do have places. I would say uh, regarding uh, from Quebec perspective, uh, we tried uh, to establish something in a region called La Naudière. Probably you have heard. I've heard from uh, Sylvain Duval, who is the Bible worker of Ile Tecri in Montreal, that they, are, they started a group there, and I'm so glad for their regular meetings. We have Gaspe, the, the huge area, Gaspesi, I don't know how to say, and you have city Gaspe there. Uh, I was there one week ago, and uh, I'm impressed with the commitment of some good young people. Sabrina, probably you have heard uh, about Sabrina. And um, uh, I, don't, I forgot the, the, the yeah, wow. And uh, they're doing well, they're doing well. But I would say that the opportunity is huge. It is so uh, wide, you, you cannot even imagine that there is uh, enough of place, if you are all missionaries, we can find very easily the place for you in Canada, anywhere. I just, so you know the story of the Newfoundland with uh, Elder Corcom. You know also the, the, the Quebec, uh, the, the same story, the same story with Maritimes. So Ontario, as he said also, is a mission field. So don't waste your time. If you're ready, just. Okay. Yeah, question. So we'll go, think, think then Alan. Yeah, yeah. So you, then Alan. Or oh, then Alex. Yeah. Okay. So you mentioned that we do need to go out into these areas that are not touched within Canada, but we need people to go out to these areas and a lot of the times the young people in the churches are not they're not converted so how can we first reach the young people within our churches so that we can get them to go out I think part of the answer is found in maybe our education on what evangelism is let me illustrate it by a simple story uh, last year at our Woody Acres camp, uh, we decided that the Lord has blessed us so much with uh, some beautiful things that are happening there that we want to give back to the community. So we contacted uh, organizations in the community that worked with disadvantaged young people. We had 50 young people come. So these are from broken homes, singles, and all of that. We had 50 young people come to camp, and we had the zip lines, the rock walls, the speedboats, the skiing and tubing, the swimming, the canoeing. Out of that, doing that last year, we had 16 of those young people come to our youth camp this year. So what I'm pointing out is, when we think of missionary work, we need to think, with, we need to think, we need to think broader. 
Mm -hmm. uh, going into the community using your talents, whether it's to help single moms, whether it's to do activities that are part of showing you're a Christian and you're helping where people are hurting. And if you help where people are hurting, then you can draw. It, is, it includes, but it's not only going to a door with a Bible or with a, a Bible studies, which is important. It's reaching people, mingling with people. And I would say if you young people would think about, what, what am I comfortable in? I have one pastor that, for example, this year to help reach in his community, they're going to do tutoring and teach music lessons and reach out into the community to be supportive and show that you care, become part of the community, and then as you get known and trusted, draw. So I'd encourage in our missionary vision that we think of many, many different things we can do that reaches out. This generation wants to see that you care and you get involved with the community, with the talent you have, then you become known, you become trusted, and then you can invite them to some special meetings. So that's how I see young people um, with all their talent being able to come in and help in our mission outreach. I just want to add to this question, um, the reality that it is very hard to reach those who are within the church and they are just uh, sleeping and not willing to do the work of the Lord. But don't lose your time by trying to reach the frozen chosen, as we say. <laughs> you know. We don't want. You need to work for the Lord. And the beauty of what the Lord will do through you is the only option for them to wake up because your words will not work enough your not not your acts god's act in your life will challenge their uh, current situation and they will do differently so i would say from my perspective just uh, uh, just continue to do the work of God. Imagine that someone is challenging you. This is his, uh, you, you know, Ellen White said very well, if we were, I tried to translate from another language to English, I'm so sorry, and Ellen White wrote in English, if we were kind, polite, full of compassion, and all list, we will have 100 conversions where we have right now one. So use the same methodology with those who are within the church. They are challenging you. Just continue to show compassion, uh, smile, uh, be joyful because you are one with the Lord. And then this is the only solution for yourself in order to accomplish your ministry and God will take care of all other stuff. Thank you for your question because what we need, we need your help for that, to reach within our young people within the church. So I would like to challenge you, when you have your own meetings, your discussions, please try to come up with strategy how to reach your fellow friends in, in your churches. And please talk to us. Yes. You are the key for that. You know in the First Chronicles chapter 12, sons of Issachar, you are sons of Issachar. You know the time. You understand the time. We need your help for that. Thank you so much for like um, 
your support and your encouragement. And I don't know if you've heard of uh, Campus Ministry. It's, uh, I would say it's kind of huge in the States rather than in Canada, but I'm so glad you've heard about it. And I was wondering, okay, from my perspective, what I've noticed is that um, the church is more concerned about reaching out to the community and so many good things, but they tend to forget like uh, reaching out to secular universities. And we do have um, students such as myself in secular universities. So we are here, we wanna go out, but like how will the church like rearrange itself to help us and encourage us to have like spiritual mentors so that we can go out like 100%. Since I represent the supporting ministries, um, I might not be the best one to answer that question, but I will say one thing, that it is very, very important to reach out to young people because young people is a very critical age, and we need to be there where they are because you might not realize it, but, you know, early 20s, you, you, you get up older, and it's harder to make those right decisions, and so it's very critical and very important, and I'll let the church leaders say how we're going to support it. <laughs> Ontario Conference, we have a uh, director, you director, Pastor Udry, and uh, by the way, he wanted to be here, but he had to go to Dominican Republic for some uh, vetting to do, and uh, he, he is very on passion for campus ministry, so his portfolio is campus ministry. We have budget for that. We have, we have people for that, so please, if you have questions, you can talk to me, and I can connect you with Pastor Udry. Yeah. And you have... Uh, Pastor Rudri for the Ontario Conference. As you're covering the Eastern Canada Territory, you have um, Eber Vallame, who is uh, youth director in uh, Quebec. You have also Paul Llewellyn from the Maritime, and you can contact Pastor Corcom for the youth ministry in uh, Newfoundland. I think that's an excellent question. I think in Newfoundland, we haven't done as well as we need to do. We do have a campus ministry on uh, Memorial University, and we have stud Adventist students from around the world that come to Memorial M University, including Toronto. Yeah. And I th uh, although we've been trying to do some, I think we can do more, and we definitely want to be inclusive. Okay. Very fast. So we talked about um, mission and uh, the young people being uh, involved. Uh, my question was, um, uh, is there a structure or uh, of support, uh, let's say if a young people decide, you know what, we want to take a group of young people, we want to do this project, we want to work on this type of endeavor, uh, is there a support uh, program or even funding that is available, uh, what mechanism are available to support uh, an endeavor such as something like that? Uh, if you ask me about Ontario Conference, yes, I would like to make sure this is part of my budget. So if you have in plan, so it's better to plan, it, to plan in advance. So contact me and through your pastor, whatever is your home church, and then we'll see what we can do. Mm. Yeah. Uh, <coughs> Newfoundland is open to innovation. Uh, we're actually a pilot project this summer. We've hired three Canadian University College students, and it could just as well be uh, any of you if you came as well. And we, the idea is that we ask them to be trained conducting uh, day camps or vacation Bible schools, and they come into our conference for the summer, and they'll go from church to church to church, helping the smaller congregations uh, operate vacation Bible schools. 
And we've been very pleased. Uh, one particular church, they said, well, we hope we get about five people out. As a result, they had 23 young people come out, only five were Adventists, and they've gone into an adventurous program. So the young people coming made it possible, I think, for a significant outreach by having successful Bible school they would not have had, they haven't had for years. And so if you young people are willing to train yourself and say, hey, we, we can form a group of young people to come out and hold vacation Bible schools and come into these small churches, we'll help provide the funding. We're giving them summer scholarships. And as a result now, we contact those 23 uh, young people and we have a path uh, adventures club started. And there could be other dream of all different ways in which you can become involved in the community. We'll help you. I'd actually like to ask a question that I thought might have come up but hasn't come up yet, <laughs> if you would allow me to do that. Um, I think that uh, we're actually all pioneers here today. Uh, we're pioneers in a work that I think is very important, needs to be very intentional. And that is that um, we are supporting ministries or lay ministries. ECYC is a lay ministry. Um, our ministry, Better Living, or Mieux Vivre is a lay ministry as well. And I'd like to ask, how can we pave the way for lay ministries so lay people can get involved and we can work really hand-in-hand with our conference leadership? I think it's very important for us to establish really good relationships among our conference leaders. And how can we make that happen? Because we're really paving the way for others that are going to come behind us. Uh, I can try to give an, un an answer from the administrative perspective. This is the worst perspective, but <laughs> 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 when you talk supporting ministry, you talk, you talk initiative. Nobody likes to talk administration. However, the Church of God uh, is where God is working. And God is a God of order. So we cannot just uh, um, encourage everything. We need to work together and to discover what is solid in order to help uh, for the development. I am always in favor of um, uh, developing a supporting ministry as long we work in unity. Uh, in order to work in unity, I would like to say that there is a procedure, and if you want, I can uh, send you, uh, it's very easy to contact me, you, you, you just go to the adventist.ca webpage and you will find the secretariat and my email address. I can send you the policy, NAD policy, which means North American Division policy, <coughs> regarding supporting ministry, then you have uh, um, you have uh, the SDACC policy, and then you have the steps of procedure how to become a supporting ministry. If you are already a part of the supporting ministry, as it is the case for all of you, being part of ECYC, uh, at every conference we have those who are in charge of being in touch with you. And so uh, my duty is to coordinate everything for the Canadian fields, so for seven conferences, and we would be more than glad to help you uh, in all your difficulties to pray together, to do projects together, and I am fully supportive of this idea. If we don't have a good relationship with the supporting ministry, 
this will be only competition and not uh, the growth of the body of Christ. And we need this growth. Mm -hmm. Elder a final comment, yeah. then we'll wrap up. I think that what you need to do is what George has been doing. He's keeping on us. This is the first youth group I think I've attended and I've been invited to. Uh, and coming to be here to pick up your spirit um, and to know the heart of your leadership has been very warming to me. Most younger people coming to me, they'll come with new um, internet uh, comments about distrust and antagonism. And so you're going to have to be patient with us because we get a lot of flack from young people. That's a general comment because they've been studying on the internet more than studying their Bibles. To come and say, how can we help? Uh, you'll probably shock us. Um, but I would say what you've done with George, uh, getting us here, talking, showing you're supportive, and how we can work together, and to be willing to accept that we have a walk with the Lord, we love the Lord, uh, we, we have given our lives a service to, and that we are part of his movement. We're not uh, something to be feared by you, that we need to, the, the intergenerational, I think God wants the intergenerational. But in doing what you did this weekend, um, inviting us, get a chance to dialogue with us, a chance to meet us. And as some of you came to, to my office now uh, to work like on the Gander Project, we're certainly much more open, we're willing to put the money into it, willing to support, because you're willing to work as team, not an antagonism. You know, just a final comment, you know, as you can see, our church leaders are very supportive of us. Amen? Amen. Amen. And, uh, you know, something is, it's kind of intimidating, but I can honestly say, being in their offices and talking with them, that they are very supportive. But also, I want to, made from me as a leader of support ministry to you, is that because um, since they have a lot of work to do, when you come to them with a project, make sure it's well organized, well planned. Don't burden them with you know, loose ideas and so forth. So come, when you do want to come to them, know that they are willing to work with us. But also, make sure your plans are really well thought out, well planned out, have a good form, neat, and stuff like that. So I want to encourage that. So we all blessed. Amen. Amen. And uh, I want to thank our church leaders for you know, taking the time to be involved and to discuss with us what is the vision, what, we, what needs to be done here in Canada. Thank so. you. You know, uh, since, we <laughs> since we talked about... Um, yeah. Since you talked... Sorry? Yeah, okay. Uh, so actually, before we pray, we're going to share some of the things that is happening in Canada with you and in also with GYC. So first we're going to ask uh, Elder Yakov to come up. The Ontario Conference. Yes, Ontario Conference. This is what happened uh, this summer. Uh, we published in highlights invitation for young people to, 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 who are willing to go north to contact us. So we would like to form three groups to go to VBS. So fortunately, we had only three young people uh, responding to that. So in the end, uh, I had to handpick people to go with me. And we had 10 of us. We went to Sulukaut. Where is Sulukaut? Do you know where is Sulukaut? Anybody knows where is Sulukaut? Uh, very good. So this is Thunder Bay. You go to Thunder Bay. You know where is Thunder Bay. And then you need to drive additional four hours to get to Sulukaut. And then additional 45 minutes to get to Laksul. Laksul is a First Nation reserve. We had three communities there. So what we did, we went there. We spent a week, whole week, to do VBS, living within native community. That was amazing. We were able to reach out to them. We stayed in their local school, in gym, and uh, we served 
two or three of three communities there. And uh, we had young people. And what then we did, we went to Sulukau, <coughs> which is city close uh, to Laksul Reserve. And then we prayed. We, uh, we shared flyers. We have uh, five families in Sulukau. We have a group church plant there. And we, this is growing. We have now Bible worker as well. So these are just some slides to see uh, how it was our time. So we had three groups this summer there. So we are planning to go back next year even more. Uh, for this time, we were engaged in VBS and also we did green, a greenhouse project. And then for next year, we would like to expand that and maybe to do something more uh, for their schools. And also not just Sulukaut, we also want to, to engage Musoni that area there and to do something there. So if you're willing to be, be engaged in mission and mission trips, don't go overseas. We have here lots of mission trips opportunities. Okay, see me, talk to me. I would like to take your, your information. So if you want to go, we will contact you and then make sure that you are going with us on these mission trips. Pardon me? Uh, for yes, we can we can we can make it, especially for Musuni area sometimes, and that uh, for Albany maybe it's easier to go during winter time because you can drive on the ice highway. That's okay. fun to go. So I'm planning to go this. I went last week uh, last year, uh, and then I'm going to go again there. So it's easier to reach by car these remote areas. So we have to plan on that. I'm just new in the office, so I'm developing new ideas. And yes, yes. Great. And then next we have our sister Tondo. So uh, you guys are all probably heard of GYC, and GYC is also very active, engaged in missionary work in North America. So Tondo, tell us what happened. Very, very briefly. Very briefly. Um, well, this picture is from our intermission last year, and GYC's vision, obviously, very similar to CYC, inspiring young people to really just give themselves wholly, completely, radically to God and to his service. And so it is part of my joy to serve with Intermission for GYC. I think I have the best job with GYC is that I do the missions. And um, last year, we were in Manitoulin with ACYC and also in Allentown, Pennsylvania. I did a city mission blitz there. This summer, I actually flew here straight from Sacramento because we have a mission team in Lakeport, California, which is largely a Native American community, and we're doing a vacation Bible school there for Native American kids. We're doing medical dental outreach. We're doing a New Start program. We're canvassing, going door-to-door, -door, sharing the literature, and inviting people to really get to know Christ. And it is such a joy for me to see young people being willing to stick out for two weeks, to sleep on the floor in a church, and just be willing to say, whatever God calls me to do, I will do. And I pray that you would, as you're able, join us. But also just remember that what happens on intermission, what happens even here, you can take back to your home church. And that is my biggest goal, too, is mission is not a trip. You know, it is something that is a lifestyle, that even as you go back from a mission trip, and even as we leave here, that it's easy to just get together a group of young people in your home church or your friends and just do this and go door to door and minister and all that God will bless you. So thank you. Amen. And next we have our bro, Gregory. So ECYC also does missions as well. And this past year we went to Timmins. So tell us very, very briefly about that. Yeah, so uh, a week ago we had a mission in Timmins which is in northern Ontario, eight hours from Toronto. So um, we were like six people for one week. We had a, a canvassing program there. So it was a blessed time. And uh, we've been like 
three nations invaded Timmins. It was Korea, Moldova, and Jamaica. <laughs> so it was a blessed time. Uh, the funny thing is how the Lord worked is till we got there, and every day was raining. Every day or every other day. When we got there, sunny, hot. So we were, be able, were able to go door to doors. Just the last day, I think the Lord said, guys, you work so hard. He gave us some rain. So we were able to, um, to leave behind more than 100 um, health books, uh, more than 50 spiritual books, and more than 50 contacts of the Bible studies and with uh, health seminars that people were interested in. So we left them with uh, Pastor uh, Philip Lee. So it was a blessed time, and I just encourage you for next year that you be able to participate in at least one mission for the Lord. Be blessed. Next year, ECYC has two projects. As Elder Crocker mentioned, we're going to Gander, Newfoundland. There's a very small group there. So we're going to do a medical focus mission there. And we're also going to go back to Manitoulin Island. We're working with GYC and also with the Ontario Conference to do a mission in Manitoulin Island. So we want to encourage all of us to get involved in the mission of the church. Amen. Sure, yeah, so Elder Jargon is also going to talk to us about the, uh, so many of you guys have maybe heard of the GC plan to reach the big cities, and so the Canadian Union has also engaged in that uh, project to reach all the major cities in Canada, and so he's going to talk to us very briefly about that. Yeah. Okay. Um, just to remind you that uh, the Seventh-day Adventist Church in Canada voted recently to establish a schedule of the big city evangelism efforts in Canada with the participation of the SDACC funding. This year, we um, allocated $125,000 for uh, Edmonton, Alberta, uh, 2015 we already voted to participate in a big effort in Ottawa, Ontario. And then we continue with other conferences, British Columbia, Quebec, Mansask, Newfoundland, and Mar Maritime. So every year, we will invest in big city evangelism. And I would suggest that it will be good for your ministry to be part of all these efforts, I would say even to prepare these efforts and to do the follow-up because this is not only evangelistic meetings. You need, uh, in order to have a good evangelistic meeting, you need a, a good entrance and good uh, exit. If not, then you will, uh, we will almost lose funds and not have the results. So I'm just giving you this in order to know that we are going in the direction of big city evangelism, and we would enjoy to work together. And uh, ECYC also had a board meeting uh, yesterday. We also talked about how ECYC also going to get involved in these big city mission projects. So please visit the website, stay connected with us, and you continue to get updates about how you can get involved. So next year, Manitoulin, July 17 to 29, Gander, the last two weeks of August, continue to visit us to see future mission projects that ECYC will have. So I hope you were blessed by our discussion today, and I just want to really encourage 
Yeah, I hope that you, you can see the passion that our leaders have for us to get involved. Amen? And so we need to truly get involved. It might not be this glamorous stuff, you know, 100 baptisms, whatever, but we just need to be faithful, and God will work in a powerful way. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.